Welcome to So Here's the Thing, where we share candid conversations that lift the veil on what it takes to find success, even if that means sharing a few unpopular opinions. I'm your host, Leili Amati. Grab some coffee or a cocktail, and let's get real. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Today we are being joined by Jess Jordana. She is a copywriter who helps creative business owners turn their passion into words that people actually get, which I think we all can use a little bit more of. I know that a lot of us struggle, especially in the first few years of business, tackling things like messaging and brand voice and things like your about page and all of those really high pressure places where you need a lot of copy. And so I'm really excited for Jess to talk with us a little bit about her views, a little bit about how she has been trained in this amazing career of hers and to just kind of like share some of her story. I love that in her bio, if you'll like go look at the show notes, she kind of lists out some amazing people that she's worked with, some really high level, awesome places, but she claims her most impressive accomplishment is surviving teaching in the high school classroom and getting to meet her former students for coffee when they come back from college, which I can relate to. As you guys know, I was a high school teacher as well. And so I love that we have that in common because it def- it definitely resonates. Um, how long were you in the classroom? I always forget this. Um, I was in for three years. Yeah. yeah so we, we get it. Um, yeah. Teaching high school is like a whole nother thing. And it's so funny too, because we both, you guys can't see us obviously, but we've like both got our little glasses on and we've got hair bows and our hair's curly and we're, I'm not quite as young as I used to be, but when I was in the classroom, I was really young and everybody thought I was a kindergarten teacher. Did you get that a lot? Yes. Yeah. I used to wear like I like to wear kind of loud things sometimes. So I had like leopard pants and I would wear like pattern dresses and stuff. And all of my high school seniors were like, miss, you should be a kindergarten teacher. Like, and I would also randomly break out into song, which probably helps that case. So, you know. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that cracks me up. Yeah. My kids would, I I can't, they would probably eat me alive if I had tried to do that. But yeah, I feel like a lot of a lot of other adults too would just be like, oh, you must teach elementary. And I was like, no, I'm tough. I teach high school. Like, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to hear about like your transition from teacher to copywriter and all of the things. So tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. So I basically started out in college as an English major and I didn't start in college as that, but that was my ultimate major once I decided on one. And when I was going through my college career, I said, I will do anything, but the one thing I don't want to do is teach. And so, um, I mean, my dad was a teacher and I just knew I was really close with a lot of teachers and I really didn't like that everyone who asked me what I was going to do said, Oh, are you going to be a teacher? So I was like, no, I'm not going to be a teacher. Um, but lo and behold, I graduated, got married. We randomly moved to Dallas, Texas. And I was like, okay, I kind of need a big girl job because I was working at Starbucks and dreaming about a lot of things that I really wanted to own my own business, but I didn't have like any sort of experience or audience or anything like that. Um, so I was like, Hey, I could be a teacher. Like that sounds easy. Right. And so I was like, Oh yeah, I'll just go from eight to three and then I'll come home and have all of this time. And it's going to be fantastic. So I, um, signed up for an alternative certification program because I wasn't, I didn't get a degree in teaching. Um, and before I went through the actual certification, I had an interview and they handed me a job that day. And so I, 
went into the high school senior classroom for the first time ever. I had never taught before, not even student teaching. Um, I went in two weeks after the school year had started with high school seniors in a core English class. And I started that first day, the week leading up to it, I was like, okay, what can I do to like get their attention? What can I, how can I show them that I'm like a cool teacher? <laughs> and so I wrote this, Laylee, don't laugh at me, okay? I wrote this speech. It was like an eight page typed speech on paper that I was holding in my hands, standing in front of the high school seniors. And it was really like, it was super passionate. It was telling them about like, why I was different, why my class was going to be different and all of this kind of stuff. And there were every single class period, I did it for six class periods. There were students in the front row doing their makeup. There were kids like congregated together with their backs turned to me. It was just, it was like a movie. It was awful. And after that day, I laid on the floor in my classroom and just cried because I was like, this is so hard. Um, and that really started my journey of figuring out that really none of it was about me. They did not care why I was great. They wanted to know how I was going to help them be great. And I mean, they really wanted that. It took a while to get there. But so that really started my journey of figuring out people and realizing that the world didn't revolve around me, which was an amazing journey and a really, really hard one. So with that said, my first year, I think I cried every day. Within that first year, I found a community of teachers who were blogging about teaching and I knew that I loved to write and that is really how I like understand the world. So I started blogging with them. And so then my second and third year, I started to teach other teachers, which was a crazy transition of like, crying every day, not knowing what the heck I was doing to educating. And I think that really helped me solidify what I believed about teaching and what I thought that the classroom should be. And so that was really an awesome transition. But my third year, I really took a step back and thought, is this what I want to be doing in five years and 10 years? And the answer was just no. It wasn't that I didn't love it. I just wanted something different for my long-term life. And so that is when I started to um, put things in place to start my own business. And by that point, I was enough of a stalker of the creative industry that I knew that I wanted to be a copywriter um, because I had like in college, I was like, oh, I should try to be a graphic designer. And that was awful. I should try to be a calligrapher. It was terrible. Wedding planning. I thought about it for 30 seconds and then I was like, no way. So really I decided at that point to just go with what I'm good at, which is writing. Um, and I started my copywriting business two days after the school year ended. And by the end of that week, I was crazily fully booked for three months, which is so awesome. And actually on my first day, Laylee, you're one of the first people that I told what I do at Tuesdays Together. And so that was like crash course in, oh, what do you do? Oh my gosh, please don't ask me that. But you were one of the first people that I told. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love what a throwback. I like, I know that feels like forever ago and it was and it wasn't, it was. which is yeah. It's crazy. I feel like what I hear a lot of what you're saying is 
kind of centered around self-awareness, which I think is like a really, really underrated and really undervalued trait that I am consistently trying to like harp on for people to understand is like the more self-aware you can be about what you actually are good at, what you actually want, what you what you truly want to at the end of the day, like you said, it's not so much that you didn't love teaching, it's that you knew what you wanted and it wasn't that. And it's okay for those things to mutually Mm -hmm. exist. And I think people struggle with that a lot. So I think that's really refreshing. I'm so glad that you shared that. What a, what a, like, I've, I mean, I know your story and I've heard your story and we've gotten a chance to like hang out and, and chat and we know each other. So I, I know your story, but every time I hear it, I'm like, yeah, I really like, I just feel like it's not necessarily the same path that everybody takes in terms of time. Like, I feel like you did it really quickly because of that Mm -hmm. self-awareness, but I think like the journey and the path it's a really clear cut and it's really like easy to follow for those who are listening, who are maybe part-time or want to go full-time or whatever. So just using that, I think is really awesome. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that I have learned every single day of business is to start before you're ready. I think there is always more information to be learned. There is always more experience to be had, but if you don't ever start, you're not going to ever be able to have that like real world practical knowledge of like, this is working, this is not working kind of thing. Um, so I think it's easy with all of the freebies and the education out there to just like stay in learning mode for a really long time. Um, and I would just caution people against that because that is like a never ending hamster wheel that you will get caught in, um, and kind of paralyzed by, I think. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that there's definitely some validity to that in terms of like, wanting to get actual experience under your belt. I, I don't think that very much can compare to it. So um, that is, that's totally true. Uh, well, I'm excited to hear like a little bit about what you can tell our listeners in terms of like connecting and converting and what kind of, what kind of things that they can be doing in their business and doing right now, like really good starting steps to, to find their voice and to use their voice in order to like sell and convert, you know, their audience into actual profitable clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think that it is, I totally get the feeling that nobody signed up for this. Like nobody signed up to be a writer in addition to what they want to do in their business, um, except for copywriters, of course. But I think that it's something that kind of blindsides people because um, you're like, oh, I'm passionate about what I do. It's just going to sell itself kind of. And I really wish that that was true, but it's just not the case with um, how much noise there really is out there. You have to be able to have that kind of dog whistle um, that's going to speak right to the people that you want to serve. Um, And so really where I think that you have to start with that is asking actual people. And so I think that it's easy to go and create all of the ideal client avatars and they like go to the farmer's market and they have like flowers in their bag and they like, um, really like headbands and have glasses and drink iced coffee and all of that kind of stuff. But none of that is really going to help you if it's not based off of a real person. And if you don't know that that those things that you're saying that they want are what they truly want. Because I think a lot of times, like we think that we know the value that we provide, the true value that we provide. But if you ask somebody like, what was your 
favorite part of this process? Or what did I help you avoid? Or where are you now? They're going to tell you something in their own words that's different probably than what you can come up in a polished version in your head. Um, So I think the biggest suggestion that I give people is to talk deeply with your people. So whether that is you have one client that you've had and you want to like kind of get on a call with them and get inside of their head after you've um, gone through the process together. That sounds like a great idea, whether it's you've had a lot of clients and you can kind of send out a survey and do something a little bit larger in scale. I sent out a survey in December to my email list and I got 20 responses and that doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot to go through and really intentionally see what they're saying and all of that kind of stuff. So I have like content for decades after just that one small survey. And then even if you haven't had a client yet, or you haven't had one that you feel like is a dream client yet, you can just go to people who you feel like would be that and say, Hey, can I have a conversation with you? Maybe like give them a Starbucks gift card or something to talk to you if they're not like an actual friend, but really going deep with people is the only way that you can figure out what they actually want, what they need and what is holding them back from getting there right now. And that will help you be able to assemble a message that is really going to speak to them. Eugene Schwartz, who's like the OG copywriter always says that great copy is not written, it's assembled. And I think that that is kind of encouraging for people who are so totally not writing geniuses. Cause you're like, I cannot do this. This is not my craft, but you just have to be able to get deep and intentional with people and then put together their words to kind of mirror back to them. Um, and that is going to do the best for your business in the long run. I love that step. And I think that it's really, uh, it's nice and it's very tangible and tactical and people can take those questions today and, and send, send them out. I also think it's really interesting because it sounds like you're kind of taking yourself out of the game a little bit. And I think that's what holds a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of creatives back from, creating copy that is about their products or their themselves or whatever. Like you said, we kind of think like, I'm so passionate about this. I believe in what I'm doing hundred percent that should sell itself. Right. And of course the answer is no, but I think a lot of people struggle with self-promotion or, you know, feeling like they're being quote unquote salesy, which is a whole nother topic. And, you know, um, or, feeling sleazy or feeling pushy or aggressive. And I think when you put your client to the forefront, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I feel like you're kind of taking yourself out of that mix a little bit and letting, letting like the gift of what you have to offer be presented in a way that meets your client where they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. That's so good. I think absolutely on the salesy thing, I think there's a misconception that sales in general are salesy. I don't know about you guys, but if I want something, sell me, dang it. Like the, the girls with the thin mints come to my door, please give me a million boxes. Tell me why they're great. All of that kind of stuff. Like if you really want something you want to be sold because you, that is making you feel something. It's making you feel how it's making you feel the possibility of being the person that you want to be. It's making you feel comforted because you get to have a a box of thin mints and it makes you think of your childhood or whatever, only in the freezer though, they have to be in the freezer. But I think that it is really shift that has to happen in talking about yourself is that everything you say about yourself has to matter. It has to be the details that matter to your people. 
So the only reason why iced coffee matters to my audience is one, because it's memorable Two, because it's relatable. Other people love iced coffee because why would you drink it hot? I don't know. Um, and three, because it, it kind of helps them picture me doing what I do because you can picture me writing with a cup of iced coffee. Um, if it's something like I also do CrossFit, but I don't talk a lot about CrossFit because it doesn't necessarily help people picture me as the girl with glasses behind the computer, like wordsmithing for them. I think you're the only person who does CrossFit who doesn't talk about doing CrossFit. I know, I know, I know. I've done it for a long time. (laughs) I'm actually not very good at it. So maybe that's part of it, but yeah. (laughs) Um, But all of that to say, like, I know it's hard to write an about page because you're like, I am like, an awesome human. Like what details do I include that can paint this picture of me to people? But if you kind of go at it with that lens of like, okay, what's going to help people picture me doing what I do best? I think that that is really helpful to know what details to share and what details to kind of include as a part of your like core brand message um, and kind of repeat over and over again so that people can start to know you for something. Um, So I think that also helps to take the selfish feeling out of it because you're looking at it through that lens of like, okay, what really matters to them? What is going to help them in what I'm sharing about me? No, that's super helpful. So what would you say to somebody who is trying to like promote a product or a offering or a service or something, and they're trying to put together like a sales page, for example, or just even like, even like an elevator pitch? maybe let's start there. I feel like maybe that's shorter and easier. I literally have no idea, by the way, everybody listening, like, I don't know anything about this. So (laughs) I would love to hear kind of just like your, like a place people can start in terms of like, what kinds of things will help them develop that elevator pitch or develop that copy that you can just kind of like say, I feel like a lot of people struggle with how do I describe my service, my offering in a way that makes it appealing, but that also is genuine to me. And you know, all those typical questions. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first thing is that you can't, you can't say it all in one elevator pitch in one headline. So you have to choose what is going to be most important to your person, whether it's a sales page or the person you're talking to or whatever. So like, for example, whenever I explain what I do to someone like you, Laylee, I will say, oh, I'm a copywriter. Like that's enough. You understand what that means. You know, Sarah, like she knows what that means, all of that kind of stuff. But if I'm talking to somebody at the grocery store, I'm going to say, oh, I write words for websites. I say it very slowly so that people can understand because like nobody knows what a copywriter is really outside of the, well, they might, but it's harder for them to wrap their minds around. So um, thinking through a lot of times we use a lot of jargon to talk about our product or service. And so that really just comes from us being too close to it because we know all of the kind of buzzwords in our industry and all of that kind of stuff. So um, a lot of times really, instead of saying copywriting, I say words for websites um, instead of website copy, because I don't know where people are in their journey and if they understand what that means. And so really that is just a matter of knowing your people. Um, So that just goes back to talking 
to them. But I think um, if your value proposition can say what you do and how you do it differently, then and possibly what it's going to help them accomplish then that is really solid. If you can't fit all three of those, choose two. But I think in terms of how you do it differently, I get a question from photographers a lot of like, how do I talk about like how I do it differently? And I think that there are a few different approaches that you can take to it. You can talk about your, who you do it for, but be careful with that because that can also be really broad. It can be your values that you use like to approach it. If you really care about film photography or something because of something in particular, I don't know anything about that, but then that could be like a value that maybe your client, your ideal clients are going to share with you. Or you can talk about your process how your process is different and what that's going to do for them or maybe your style. So those are like a few different ways, like angles that you can attack that unique value from because it's not going to be every photographer isn't serving a different ideal client necessarily. Um, So you kind of have to figure out some different ways to differentiate your yourself. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that, I mean, just that example in itself, I I have a lot of coaching clients who I have to kind of talk through like, okay, let's find what's actually unique about you. And I do think a lot of that, at least for what I talk with them about is coming back to what you mentioned previously, which is like, give your clients or your prospective clients the ability to kind of imagine you and uniquely you, and they need to fall in love with you as an individual because you do share an ideal client with X amount of other people in a really saturated market. So um, I do think that it's really important to have that unique uh, value proposition and be able to kind of communicate it well and also be able to tie in the elements that you already talked about. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how to develop brand voice. Can you like kind of tell our listeners maybe like one or two things that they can start doing and start looking at and start thinking about in order to kind of develop that in a in a great way? I feel like I see a lot of people, and tell, again, let me know if you disagree with this. It's totally fine. But um, I feel like I see a lot of people kind of imitating other people's brand voices because they think it's going to work for them. So there's a lot of like, hey, girls, where I'm like, you would never say that. Like, let's mm-hmm. let's stay true to ours. Like, I probably like would be an in-betweener, but I'm definitely not like poppy enough to be like, I got you, boo. Like, I'm an, I, I, can't, yeah. I can't write like that. So yeah, tell us a few things people can do to kind of get started there. Yeah, for sure. I think there is like a common misconception that you like create your brand voice. I think you definitely have to like find it. Um, And the reason for that is that I always give this analogy, probably a million people have heard me say this, but it really does stick. So imagine your cutest pair of high-waisted like vintage jeans. Those suckers kind of suck, right? So you're, you put them on and you have to like suck it in and then you can't really like sit down because it's really painful. And then you just think all day long about how you want to take it off. And so you're not going to wear them everywhere. That's what I feel like is the image of these people trying to fit into somebody else's brand voice or trying to create something that's like cute and fun and like has a theme or something like that. It could be very cohesive and it could be great and could capture people's attention, but it's not you. And so you're not going to show up in that frequently. So especially in a business where you have to be able to show up consistently, your brand voice needs to be as close as 
possible to your voice so that people aren't thrown off when you show up with your face on Instagram and you're talking or they meet you in person. It really needs to be consistent. So I always tell people that your brand voice should feel more like yoga pants, like Lululemons. You feel great in them. You'll wear them anywhere. You can dress them up, dress them down. They're your favorite. So that's what your brand voice should feel like, that you can show up anywhere in it. And how you find that is everybody's going to cringe. You just listen to yourself. <laughs> Lately, I think you are so great at this. It sounds a lot of your Instagram captions. I can like hear your voice in my head of like, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. We're all fine. <laughs> but that is what you want. And so you have to really like, if you have voice messages with your friends, if you use Voxer or Marco Polo, just like take off your this is cringy hat and put on your objective hat and just sit there and listen to yourself and say like, okay, what words do I say over and over again? Besides like the ums and the likes and all of that kind of stuff. Although you can throw those in there for like conversationalism, but just think about like I, whenever I say I'm excited, I don't say that. I say, oh my gosh, I'm super pumped. And that's just like how it comes out of my mouth. And so I have that written in a document of like my brand messaging guide. I'm like, okay, we say pumped instead of excited most of the time. And so that just little tweaks like that or how you greet people and different things like that will help it to start to take shape and start to really sound like you, even if it's not like you can just throw those words in here and there and it helps it feel conversational while it's still clear. I think that's really important too. I love that. I think that it's really important. Also, thanks for that sweet compliment. I love hearing that because I, like I said, I mean, we all struggle with trying to just like lean into being our most authentic selves and, you know, trying to convey that message. And so I'm really excited for our listeners to hear about ways to do that. And I, voice memo has really helped me a lot over the past couple of years anyway, just like creating course content or creating blog content. I used to struggle to kind of get started. And so I've started to kind of just like record ideas as I go. And I find that when I start that way, when I sit down and write, it does help me. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought mm -hmm. that up because I just thought that was like me being kind of like wackadoo, but that's. No, uh -uh. Yeah. And I even do that more and more now too, because writing feels like it used to be my hobby and it used to like fill me up, which it does fill me up in a certain like way, but it also feels very much so like work. So in order to get in my like creative flow zone for my own content, I sometimes have to do the voice messages, like you said, just to get going and really um, kind of get out what is in my brain. Um, and I think too, that it is brand voice doesn't equal your value. Like if you don't have a brand voice, that's not saying that you're not good at what you do and that you can't provide value for people. I think what brand voice does is it makes you memorable. It gives people a way to, um, kind of place you in their mind because we're like two dimensional figures for most of our online audience. And they have to be able to kind of view us as humans. And I think that brand voice really helps with that when they're seeing our content in different areas. And it's really consistent with the words that we say and how we approach it and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. So if we could give like one homework assignment, since we're both former high school teachers here to our listeners, like what would yeah. you leave them with before we dive into your unpopular opinion? I would leave them with take a look at your value statement. So the first like 
above the fold before you start scrolling on your homepage and ask yourself if anybody could opt out of that. So like, could anybody say, no, I'm not whatever you say you serve or you do or whatever. I'm not for that. Cause if you can't say that anybody could opt out of it, then it's probably not specific enough. Um, so I'm thinking in my mind of like the phrase photography for joyful couples or authentic photography or anything like that. Nobody would say, I don't want something authentic. I want something really like boring and I don't know staged, I guess. And nobody really would want to say, "Uh, I'm probably not very joyful. So there may be not like the photographer for me. So instead thinking through like, what are some more specific um, kind of descriptors that I could use? I think that's really going to help you to attract the right people and repel the wrong ones. I think that's awesome. I, I really, it's fine. I did not see where that was going, but after you said it, I was like, okay. I was just like, you want to kind of attract all these people, but I do, obviously it's so important to repel. I think people are oftentimes really afraid of that step. So I think that's an awesome homework assignment. Okay. So now on to, of course, our signature wrap up question. What is your unpopular opinion on copywriting or connecting or converting all of the things? My unpopular opinion is that conversion, this hurts me to say, I'm afraid to say, because I know that my copywriter friends are going to listen to it, but conversion is not the primary goal. I think that if you focus on conversion only, you kind of try to like turn tricks on the marketing corner, so to speak. And you're like, okay, what can I, what can I tweak here? What can I change here? Instead of really thinking about like approaching it from a human standpoint and thinking like I am speaking to humans who have hearts and souls and all of that kind of stuff. So that's why I always say that connection is the conversion long game. But if you connect first, your conversions are going to be more quality. They're going to come from more people because everybody's shouting your name from the rooftops and all of that good stuff. So I really think that has to come first and has to be kind of in the forefront of our minds. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't stop laughing because of the, the shoot. I really can't stop laughing because of the turn, turn tricks on the marketing corner. Yep. Don't be doing that. We'll get you. That really stopped me in my tracks. I love it. That is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I agree with you, by the way, but I think that's amazing. And I just, I really loved (laughs) it. It's a good analogy. It sticks with you, huh? I will never forget. (laughs) That was perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts. Um, I can't wait for people to head to the show notes, find you, follow you, work with you. That was really fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. For show notes and resources mentioned on today's episode, head to SoHere'sTheThingPodcast.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to read your review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.